Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You're done with your Oreo? Yeah, <laughs> done with my Oreo. Okay, good. Um, do we really know what happened? The brother did that. The brother, that's what I thought too. I mean, that seems like kind of obvious. Hey, do you just want to talk about death? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be murdery, thingy, 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 now because we just started because <laughs> I just hit fucking record. Welcome to Mystery Murdery Thingy. Hey guys. Hey, what's up? Uh, so it's a podcast. So if you didn't know, that's what you're, you're um you're listening to a podcast. I hope you realize this is we don't, talk. Don't oh, what? Yell at? Oh, them. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yell at you. <laughs> other people listening to us. We decided we're not going to tell you to do things because we don't like when other people do that. <laughs> we're, yeah. We're, we were looking on Spotify yeah. and there was like. This there was a singer that was like, listen to my new song. And it was like this weird little blurb, I yeah. guess, that was attached to it. I don't and know Mario, what that was. Mario purposely was like, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to now. It just like rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I was like, know. what if people do that to us? So we decided not to tell people what to do. So, you know, listen, don't, whatever. We don't fucking care. Um, but please listen. Thank you for listening. Though. Anyway. Anyway. Um, what is this? What are we doing? Who are you? I'm Mario. I'm Chloe. Good job. Um, <laughs> we talk about mysteries. And murderies. And thingies. Thingies. Yeah, we're going to get into some thingies because it's been very murdery lately and we're tired of it. So we're moving on to something else. That's part of why we chose mystery murdery thingy because... Yeah, we wanted to keep it vague. Yeah. But sometimes when people are like, oh, what's your podcast called? I'm like... <sighs> <laughs> you're, you're so Meh. fucking ashamed. Mystery murdery thingy. <laughs> we spent a long time. Like trying they're to gonna think be like, title. oh, <laughs> oh, so it's stupid. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I mean, I think it's a delightfully idiotic title. You know, it's. It I think it's just right. Yeah, right. It's it's just right. And if you don't think so, then you can, uh, you can get the fuck yeah, out. You can fuck off because this is our fucking podcast. <laughs> we can make the decisions. <laughs> Which is the other great thing about doing podcasts. The like, and they were talking about that on the Twit podcast too. Actually, the like, no one's regulating you. Like, we the FCC ain't got shit on us. Like, because <laughs> we're on the internet and it's the wild fucking west, <laughs> so we can say whatever we want. That's a great description of the internet. <laughs> yeah, it's there's like we just like we don't really care, you know. Well, Germany's like, hey, we'll 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 do something, <laughs> you know. The EU's like, hey, we want to be the police. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's way too political for me. I don't GDPR. Understand. Just look up GDPR, but later, because right now that's not what we're talking about. Um, I am going to go first. Yes. We decided earlier, and I am going to do Abominable Snowmen. What? Frosty the Abominable Snowman had some very hairy no, feet. No, that's not the... That's not the tune And at if all. you ever saw him, he would make you hurt and you'd fall no, down. No, no, That's what I heard about Abominable Snowmen. They're kind of, they're kind of mystical. That's, 
That's they have Rudolph powers. the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. I was singing Rudolph the... You yes. want Frosty the Bobble's No Right, that's it. Does not work as well syllabically, though, so I'm going to go with my choice, which was... Incorrect, well, but we're also correct. Do this, in a way. We have to make it as accurate as possible. We're all about right? being as accurate as possible within the bounds of the mystery, right? Yes, yes. In my what? mind, the mystery Put. was what does Frosty the Snowman sound like? That was the mystery in my mind for a moment, and I I did not come up with the right answer. But hey, that's okay. We're going to give ourselves permission to fail. You have to fail. To succeed, and therefore I just took a step Okay, are you success. a theater professor? Because <laughs> that's what you sound like. Some people say that I should have been, so, you, you know. sound like all of my theater professors. I would like to tell you a thing now, <laughs> and this is what it is. Just to um, piggyback off of <laughs> what she said, because I want everybody to hear that it's uh, my turn to speak you know, now, and I, I just, just kind of want to talk about I the same wanna, exact thing. I want to push back a little without, bit. Yeah, I just want to piggyback off of what so she said. So I just want to ask, to what extent? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh <laughs> Wow, that was, that, was, that was an interesting tangent. <laughs> what is that going to sound like on the radio? Um, okay, so to get back to what I'm actually doing for my thing. All theater classes <clears throat> ever. <laughs> we are theater people, if you did not already realize by how many fucking musical songs we belt out with every fucking episode. And We were singing that the other day. Right. I thought you were going to do, and I, no. uh, Neither know. of us can really sing, though. I think you're a much better singer than I am, but I can't. I like to just embrace my voice, like, you know? It's, I was like It's that not bitch. always going to sound like a fucking Frank Sinatra or something, but, you know, it's like. I was like that it. bitch in, in choir who, like wasn't that great and like nobody told her she wasn't that great so she'd acquire like all through high school but nobody told her she should have (laughs) stopped in like middle school like i nobody you should keep doing it just have a proper understanding of the nature of your voice you know i had no idea it's it's dependent on many different wow who's flat in the altos and i look around and i'm like it's not it's fucking not me (laughs) not me not me (laughs) right couldn't possibly be me. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and someone in the tenors, you're kind of doing the shouty tenor thing. Could you just a little bit? <laughs> tone it down, change a little bit. Okay. Anyway, this bed, is, <laughs> this bed is so loud. I know, right? We'll have a we'll have a new bed soon. Ugh. Pretty soon. Um, okay, so... Wow, we're yes, not on it today. We have gone far afield of where we should be. Okay, I'm going to get things back on track. Okay. Back on track. I don't know what that was. <laughs> not sure. That was not back on track. That was more like off the rails. Um, so, Abominable Snowman. Yes, I'm excited. Yes. Okay, let's let's get into it. So, you know, this I- whole idea, right... The unknown, mystical, large, you know, sort of looming, hairy, human-like creature, you know, living in near anonymity. It's like really it's it's more widespread than I thought before. It's really? like basically almost all over the world. Yeah. I couldn't really find an abominable snowman of Africa. Okay. Now, Africa is generally a very hot 
place. So maybe that kind of makes sense. But I'll talk about one later that kind of refutes that because it's in the American Southwest. So, but I don't know, but pretty much everywhere else. Like lots in Asia, obviously, like Himalayas, the Yeti, like that's the the main thing I'm going to talk about, obviously. Um, But then Bigfoot in America. And there's there's one for uh, in Australia. There's ones in China, in Mongolia. Oh, it's so weird. Um, you know, just kind of like all over the place. Um, wherever there are large forests or, you know, um, wintry wilds, one might What's say. What's the difference between, like, the abominable snowman and, like, Bigfoot? Sure. It's sort of like the rectangle and the square, right? Like, a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square because a rectangle is a more general character. You know, it's a more general Math. description. You know what I mean? I'm making a mathematical illusion here. I realize after I Math. said that, not the best decision. Math. Math. It's boring and it kind of sucks. But, you know, that's that was the, the illusion that I came up with. Um, but Abominable Snowman is a general description for all of these kind of... Uh, People, uh, apes, bears, uh, snowmen, wild men, whatever you want to call them. And they have many, oh, many, 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 many names all over the world. Uh, sometimes depending on what region of an area you live in, it'll have a different name. So what are the, like, general, you know what? No, keep going. The general characteristics? Yes, yes. Oh, I've got them up. It's What? I, it's on my write up. I did words I wrote. I didn't want to like skip ahead. I, I know. Didn't know where I know. Were I know. Okay. Process. No, it's totally. It's it's totally fine because you know obviously we uh, plan these things out very carefully and we have a set you know <laughs> schedule of things we're gonna do. Sure. And that's how our podcast works. Uh, correct. This is a lo-fi podcast. We haven't said that in like a lot of episodes, but you know that is part of the idea that we're a little. We're not. Out, we Which talked about chilling. We talked about how produced our podcast should be. We decided it should be on the less produced side of things. So that's how we that's how we do things. Okay, general characteristics of the abominable snowmen. Uh, they are large. Oh wow! They are always very hairy. All right. They are okay. bi- they are bipedal. All right. Not talking about penises. Talking about the feet now. Excuse me. Whoa. Back Didn't say the bipenal. Fuck up. Just want to clarify. Um, no one was really thinking about that <laughs> I know. at, that was at the, all. That was the joke. No one was gonna make that association. And <laughs> Mario made it weird. Terrible. <laughs> and terrible. <laughs> Solid three out of ten. You know, my approach Being to joke making is. <laughs> Very similar to a, a baseball player's hit average. If I'm if I'm hitting at 300, then I'm doing pretty well. So 70%, I'm not even worrying about. That's one of the 70%. It's fine. <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, they're generally described as being ape-like. Okay. Very, like, very particularly. Like, you know, these, like, old guys. <laughs> like, you know, my dad, my grandpa, he told me, like, it wasn't a bear. Like, it seemed like a gorilla. Like, I'm telling you. Like, it wasn't a bear, okay? <laughs> we'll talk a lot about bears in this episode. Um, so they're always sort of described as being, like, very wily, very elusive, right? Like, you can never quite catch them. There's this one photograph from, like, 2007, that's like the one photograph, the one. the one that people point to from like all the hundreds of years people have been talking about these. But there are footprints, obviously, and things like that. But seeing one, it's always very mystical, mm. elusive. Um, and sometimes, though, they are kind of aggressive. 
and dangerous, actually. And in some places, they are almost like demons in a way or like uh, boogeymen. So it's it's kind of interesting. They, they take on different aspects depending on which like culture you're, you're kind of talking about, right? But like I said, they have a lot of different names uh, and a, a, you know, sort of a panoply of characteristics throughout history around the world. But just a few of the names, uh, Yeti, Bigfoot, Skunk Ape, Yowie, Barmanu, uh, amongst Sasquatch. many, many others. Sasquatch, of course. Uh, many, many others. Um, so first we're going to look at some of the similarities between, you know, all these abominable snowmen, the general characteristics that, that I was just starting with. And then we're going to just look at like a few of the, my favorite ones that I kind of picked out from what I, uh, when I was researching Elias. So in addition to being like wily, hairy, big, whatever, they're very mystical. They, they have kind of supernatural powers, mainly what? to like appear and disappear very quickly. And that's part of their like elusiveness, right? But in some cultures, like in the Himalayan culture, it's said that even the the if you just hear it, like the the sound of its like howl or whatever, that that can harm you, and that if it it can like look at you and make you like drop to the ground. What? Yeah. So you you like want to avoid them at all costs. That's- Weird. That's freaky. I don't like that. And it was so funny. That, so there was like a National Geographic article that was part of my research and there was like a little video. And the guy was talking with this family about it, right? So it was like a youngish guy who obviously like he knew English fluently. You know, he was like um, the, the guy's like kind of conduit. And then it was like his dad. And then there was like little, two little boys. And they were all talking about, you know, the, the Yeti. And the 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 dad, the kind of older guy, you know, he's talking about all these things, right? Like, don't, you know, don't let it look at you. Don't, you can't hear it. or And you can just see the little kid's face like, oh, <gasps> oh my, what? The Yeti? I, oh, fuck. I don't want to see the Yeti. <laughs> you know? He was, like, really freaked out. I thought it was oh, kind of funny. No. But, it's, you know, I can understand. Like, you're, like, seven years old, you know, right? And kids in America still, a lot of them still believe in Santa, right? And um, they're talking about this thing called the Yeti as if it's like a real thing. Like, why wouldn't you think it was a real thing? They do. They all do. You know, your dad does. Your brother does. Your grandpa. It's like this whole thing. So that, that, was, that was just a really funny little video. And, you know, in, in some cultures, uh, children are, are actually, like, told not to invoke the name even. Like... Of the local abominable snowman. Ooh. Lest it come and get them. He who shall not be named. For being a bad little boy. Yes, this is a very persistent also idea throughout cultures in general of like a name having power. You know, again, this is where it, it kind of like intersects with demonology as well. You know, because it's said that if you knew the true name of a demon that you gain power over it, right? If you yep, invoke yep. the name. The, but invoking the name can also... Um, you know, bring bring about the the evil power, right? So, you know, it's it's kind of interesting that way. Okay, so let's get into some of the particular examples, beginning, of course, with one of you know the most famous, the Yeti. So, okay, the Yeti um, stems from Nepalese folklore, so N- Nepal, Central Asia, right, north of India, 
uh, we're talking about here. Um, and the name in the Nepalese uh, language and the Tibetan language um, means uh, rocky place bear. Okay. Okay, so that that's kind of like the, one of the, the best translations of, of the word Yeti. It's kind of like a portmanteau of rocky place bear. Um, and it's described as an ape-like creature taller than an average human. So, you know, like seven, eight feet tall. So big, pretty big. Um, and it's said to occupy several mountain ranges around Central Asia. So it's not just, you know, so in Nepal. So this one's in the mountains. It's in the mountains, right? It's it's in, uh, you know, uh, Tajikistan and it's in Pakistan and uh, it's in China and India and Nepal. Yeah. And, you know, just like it, this is one that's said to have like a very wide range. But, yes, it's like in, in the mountains. Um, and it may actually develop from a pre-Buddhist belief of the Lepcha people, who are like one of the, the native peoples of this, uh, of this area of Nepal. And they had this glacier being that they would, um, that they would worship as a god of the hunt, right? So when they're going out into the snows, onto the slopes to, to hunt, they invoke and, and, and I assume pray to and whatever, have rituals for uh, this glacier being. And some people think that that tradition basically morphed into a belief in the Yeti. And, and that it sort of t- has taken that place in a way. So it is said to be a supernatural creature that can both harm and provide good luck for the hunt. So it's, it's sort of a, a capricious god, one okay, might say. Okay, okay. Mercurial. A mercurial snowman. Big words. Snowman's a big word, true. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there are, um, you know, a, a lot of um, sightings of, of, of the creature that have been recorded throughout the years, uh, mainly since Western explorers have begun to incur into, you know, this, this area. And the first of those, um, or at least a very early one, was this explorer named James Princep. In 1832, he is uh, said to have seen a creature which he thought looked kind of like an orangutan. So. Okay. Yeah. So ape-like again. Um, Not a bear. At least according to what he's saying. But also not, I don't know, I feel like the stereotypical yeti is nothing like an orangutan. That's true. It's, it's, yeah, because it, it, orangutans don't, aren't bipedal, first of all. Yeah. Um, yeah, they I don't like know. swing around on trees and vines and shit. Well, that's the other thing which we'll get into in a later section is like the scientific part of this that kind of, it kind of doesn't make sense in terms of ape, ape-like. But anyway, we're <laughs> embracing the mystery. And as more Westerners made incursions into the Himalayas throughout, you know, the early to mid-20th century, uh, many said that they saw some version of this mysterious creature. And many more of them said that they saw unexplained tracks that looked kind of mm. human-like, but it very, very large. As, as if, you know, Shaq were just walking around the in the snow. Shack. The wild shack. It's the wild shack. Oh, my God. The wild Shaquille O'Neal. We never knew. Bigfoot's actually <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love I love Shaq so much. Um, uh, hey, hey, you guys, I just want to say, you know, about that. It was, it was brave. 
That's how he talks when he's doing commentary. It's just like so low in both volume and tone. So you cannot understand what he's saying like 80% of the time. Oh my God. Right, Kenny. <laughs> so you'd get it if you watched the NBA on TNT. Sports. Sports. Okay. So, so many tangents this episode. It's great. Um, <laughs> anyway. So now we're into the early, mid-20th century. The, the 1950s is really when a lot of these, like, abominable snowmen myths kind of, like, um, ripened in a sense. Like, they, they, they sort of, like, really seeded into the, cult, like, Western culture, uh, it seems like. And photo what helped to to kind of cement that was that photos of these yeti tracks were actually sent back you know in in magazines and such um particularly this explorer eric shipton's photographs which are still debated over to this day um but he took pictures of some very weird tracks uh which some skeptical types said that were just normal tracks that had been altered by the snow and melt and things of that nature. But, hey, you know, could could go either way, I guess. Um, opinion was generally divided, let's say, amongst the public and fellow explorers of Shipton's as well as to the Yeti's, you know, real existence. Mm. Right, as, as, as it remains now. It's, it's a matter of contention. And early um, missions, including one organized by the American Tom Slick, great name. Yeah. Right? Um, was, you know, formed to to find the fabled Yeti. Um, and Tom Slick's expedition had more than 500 porters and lasted for over six months. Okay. Didn't find the Yeti. Mm, you know... I uh, didn't quite get well, there. Well, I feel but, like if you you're know. looking for it, you're never going to find it. Right, I feel maybe. like it's kind of that kind of vibe. I don't know. Because it's probably standing, like, just over there being like, fuck you guys. Yeah. You're never going to find me. <laughs> I'm the fucking Yeti. <laughs> yep, that's... I can the, disappear at will. That's how that works. I can freeze you with my stare. Verbatim. That's how they talk to each other. Right. Yetis always speak in English because <laughs> that's just how it works. And this is probably the weirdest thing that I found out during my research for this episode. Uh, the great actor, Jimmy Stewart, comes into play okay. in the story. Unexpectedly, he, he rears his head. Um, okay, this is from, a quote from Wikipedia. Quote, in 1959, actor James Stewart, while visiting India, reportedly smuggled the so-called Pangboche Hand, by concealing it in his luggage when he flew from India to London, close quote. The what? So let me explain that a little bit. So, so the Pangboche hand. So this is one of several artifacts that are said to be uh, the remains of a Yeti. <gasps> Ooh. Many, many of which exist. Um, they are mainly in shrines in Nepal and so India like really and different places. So they're like really expensive and valuable and shit. They are. They Why aren't does he have necessarily one? what they seem. It appears that Jimmy Stewart was, you know, he was being sort of a a, a sleuth, right? He 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 wanted to have it looked at, so he brought it from uh, India to London, sort of surreptitiously. Um, but I'm not sure whatever came of it. You know, it, it it didn't say on Wikipedia, so that's 
how that goes. But um, what it did say was that Sir Edmund Hillary, the famous explorer Sir Edmund Hillary, uh, brought back some other supposed Yeti remains in 1960, and those were tested. Now, they were found to be close, but not exactly alike to a type of Himalayan goat antelope kind of creature called a sero. Okay. Okay. So eventually it was actually found that it wasn't actually a sero. It was actually this other thing, uh, which is called a growl. Right, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I mean, right. I learned about so many new Himalayan animals during this research, which I didn't expect, but it was pretty cool. Um, the Goral is in the bovid family, and that's the family in which also are bison, sheep, cows, things of that, you know, kind of right, nature. Right, okay, so, okay. Anyway, just a little, I, I think it's interesting because, you know, it's science. Anyway, so let's fast forward, okay. 2007. 47 years later, and yet more mysterious footprints were being examined. This time by reality TV presenter, because you know there Ryan had to be Seacrest? a reality TV. Uh, Joshua Gates. I don't know who that is. Nor did I. Nor do I still, really. But what I do know is that he had this show called Destination Truth. It, it was in England, so I guess we wouldn't have known about it anyway. Um, but... Um, yeah, he he kind of looked into this thing during the run of Destination Truth, which I think ended in, like, 2014 or something. It was on for, like, seven years or something. Um, so anyway, so um, he brought back some footprints to be examined. He took casts. And this researcher, Jeffrey Meldrum, initially thought that they were authentic. So it was, like, this big, you know, kind of story, right? Okay. He later, though, changed his mind after kind of doing a more thorough examination and said that basically, like, the whole thing where it's just normal footprints and they got melted by the snow to make them look weird. He said, yeah, that's probably what it it was. Yeah. Or this other thing where it might be a juvenile black bear because they they have, like, um, their – uh, digit – they don't have, like, opposable thumbs, but they they have – their last digit gets, like, turned over – to be kind of like an opposable thumb so that they can climb in trees because apparently they're trying to get away from the older black bears who might kill them because that's kind of a thing, right, amongst, like, lions and bears and a lot of different creatures in nature. uh, The the male of the species will tend to kill the offspring of a different male in order, you know, to... It's it's a thing. It is kind of sad, but, you know, it's a thing. Um, oh no! <laughs> it says it didn't bring, didn't mean to bring down the mood. Sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> I did, I apologize. So you know, it, it it seems pretty clear that there's like something right weird, something living in these woods, in these mountains. Um, now it may just be a bear. Now I know I've been hinting at this but the why entire is this time. All this that fuss it's, about a bear. <laughs> well. I'll explain why, but it's it's it's. Um, so you think it's a bear? We'll 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 talk about the the science and it and and what I think it really is. But um, uh, the the what's nice, what whether it's a bear or whatever it is, the nice thing that can, has come out of this is that the interest in the area because of the yeti has helped to establish some large nature preserves uh, in Nepal in different areas um, around there since the mid eighties. So, you know, the, this whole 
you know, I guess controversy uh, has has brought some some good out of it, uh, at least. Um, moving on, let's talk about Bigfoot. So this is the other big one, obviously, that we're going to talk about, right? And this is North America's very own abominable snowman, um, Bigfoot, a.k.a. Sasquatch, like you said. Um, and Bigfoot Sasquatch is, of course, a hairy, upright-walking, ape-like creature, very large, ranges over the U.S. and Canada, but mostly in the Pacific Northwest, and is sort of an amalgam myth of ancient European as well as Native American origin, mixed with some, you know, logger, trapper legends, you know, of of those kind of early American days. Okay, so there's a lot. All right, that makes sense. It's it's very much an amalgam. That makes sense. Yes, yes. It's a pretty broad kind of idea. It's a it's a very broad description as abominable snowmen are in general. It's always a very like broad description. And while, you know, most people think yes, that Bigfoot is a a, a myth, a hoax, a misunderstanding of a different creature, maybe a bear. There are some anthropologists that do seriously entertain the idea of a Bigfoot and there are, like we were just saying, a panoply of these Bigfoot Sasquatch myths. Some um, some of them are kind of somewhat equivalent to the myths of giants, which were um, present in, okay. in several, at least, Native American cultures, where they, they had these uh, giant that, myths. I wonder if that would be a good topic. Giants? giants? Yeah, that would be. I mean, there's there's definitely, like, a lot of evidence for it in the historical records, so to speak, you know, in, in mythology and legends and the Bible. And but are they, are they real? Well, that's the question. And what would that even mean, right? What what oh would a giant God. be to that? Or, what you know, what, what does this word actually yes, mean? Yes, yes. That was actually in Aramaic and then in Greek and then, you know, in English or whatever, you know. We could get into all that annoying stuff if you want because, you know, I'm going to be super particular and skeptical like I always am. <laughs> like I always am. Embrace the mystery. Um, so this, you know, giant Sasquatch sort of set of myths is very persistent amongst, you know, some Native American tribes, even through at least the 19th century. So even at well after the intersection with the Western, uh, the wider Western world, right, of Europe, et cetera, um, the, these myths were like very persistent. And obviously they still are to today, you know, talking about it reality TV presenter, right? But the the name Sasquatch uh, actually comes from a Native American word, and it's kind of, it was kind of interesting that Bigfoot, um, where that derives from, it, it's actually a few different places. So Bigfoot was the nickname of a large-footed um, uh, chief named Bigfoot. Oh. Two different words. Oh, okay. Big. Foot. So, so what is this? This is where the name comes from. Okay. So that's one of the, the uh, sources. And then there was also a different Native American chief from the Wyandotte um, tribe who uh, report, he, he was reportedly like super huge and his nickname was Bigfoot. And he would reportedly roam throughout the country with his five enormous brothers. Oh. And everyone was super terrified of them, apparently. Okay. So I thought that was kind of cool, a little story within those. And then there were actually <laughs> a couple of famous grizzly bears in the 19th century that were also named Bigfoot, as well as a different Native American leader from the Lakota tribe 
named Chief Big Foot. Foot. Right. Right. Space there. Just a little, yeah. One of the Bigfoot bears was killed in Fresno, California in 1895. Oh, so they got one? Yeah. yeah th- these were real grizzly bears. These were, like, actual grizzly bears that killed a bunch of oh, animals, so they just mostly. got So they just they killed They got super bear? famous. They, they killed this bear in 1895, and uh, after it had been eating the prized sheep in the area for 15 years. What? Yeah. How did they know they got the right one? I mean, I'm assuming they were had seen it and it had character. I don't, I don't fucking know, but that's what it said <laughs> on Wikipedia. I believe it. So as for the other Bigfoot bear, quote from Wikipedia, no one has been, has, blah, no one has been uh, found brave enough or clever enough to catch or kill him. Hmm. He was never killed. He got, he got away. Good for him. So like the Yeti, the, the myth of the Bigfoot to, like I said before, kind of developed in the mid-1950s, right? And the Sasquatch gained really big popularity, kind of peaked in popularity in the 1970s. But these obviously have persisted strongly till today, uh, well into the 20th, 21st century. And that 2007 purported photo of a young Bigfoot is some of the best, you know, kind of only evidence for something. How? How? I just feel like there's so m- it's so easy to capture things today and get things on camera and. Well, this goes to the plausibility and, of the idea of the whole idea of it. And which, there's just yeah. one photo from 11, 12 years ago that is the most reliable evidence. I don't. Right. That's not very good, and some people say it might be a bear. So. <laughs> Sorry, it always keeps going back to that. We're going to talk about a few more, though. Um, so the, the skunk ape, um, just these are just brief, um, is the abominable snowman of the southwestern United States. Uh, so, you know, Florida, North Carolina, Arkansas. Skunk ape. Um, the skunk ape has many different names. Um, it is also known as Swamp Cabbage Man. <laughs> swamp man. Was that named by a six-year-old or right? what? Swamp cabbage man. That's my favorite. Uh, swamp ape, stink ape, Florida Bigfoot, Louisiana Bigfoot, Miyaka ape, swamp squatch, swamp squatch, and Miyaka skunk ape. Yeah, and it is said to be very stinky. Ew. Massively odiferous. This thing, C- creating a. Miasma of oh bad God. smelling odors around it. Shush. <laughs> you know what I mean. It's a, he's a stinky man. Um, like other abominable men, there were uh, many hoaxes connected with with the skunk ape, um, as, as there were with the bigfoot. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in in fact, there was even this is kind of tragic. A man who was killed. <gasps> Wearing a Bigfoot suit <gasps> on the side of the road oh in August 2012 God. in Montana. Yeah. So. Was he hit by a car? Was he? He like was hit shot by a car. No, no, no. Oh he my. was hit by a car. Oh my. Yeah. So that was that was kind of tragic. Um, okay. So there's also one from Australia. 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 We have a lot of Australian listeners. They're gonna be like, it's not what it sounds like. Um, <laughs> it's is Yowie. The Yowie. The Yowie. Here we see the Yowie. 
Uh, except we don't because it's pretty, uh, you know, it's a mythical creature. And it's uh, rooted in the folk culture of the Australian aboriginals uh, in their oral history. And it's said to roam mostly in eastern Australia. It's said to be about seven feet tall, ape-like, and upright. And it's alternatively very shy and very um, aggressive. And there uh, have been recorded sightings since about 1795. So that's that's kind of when things started for Mr. and Mrs. Yowie. Yowie. The Yowie. Uh, and um, they also say that the Yowie may actually be this other mythical creature called a bunyip, which is pretty cool. It's a mythical swamp creature that kind of looks like a big fucking rat. Ew. Like a huge rat. They could, like, eat you. Ew. Kind of like the swamp rats from The Princess Bride. I just thought of that. That's probably where it comes from. Um, there are, though, a lot of different descriptions of the bunyip. Um, so it varies quite widely. But in some of them, it looks like a big fucking rat. All, the last one I'm going to talk about is the barmanu, um, which is a Pakistani cryptid. Cryptid, of course, being the general word for mythical, you know, creatures. Um, and the Barmanu is said to roam the mountains of western Pakistan, which are very dangerous, um, but maybe yeah. not so much for the Barmanu. Uh, I'm not uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a, not a very secure area. Um, the Barmanu, though, probably could hold its own because it is said to be one of the most sinister of the abominable snowmen. Um, one of its favorite activities, um, according, according to legend, is that it abducts women. Mm, of yeah, course so it does. The, bar, the Barmanu is a, uh, yeah, is uh, not a good guy. Um, also, apparently wears animal skins on its back and its head. Ew. Although the abominable snowmen are, as a rule, naked. Although covered in, in hair. And the Spanish zoologist Jordi Magraner actually searched for the Barmanu from the late 80s till his death in 2002 in Afghanistan by being murdered by terrorists. Oh. Like we said, not a secure area. God. If you're going to go looking for the Barmanu, I'm sorry, you might find some Taliban. That's I'm not trying to make light of it. It's it's very tragic. I'm sorry. I feel I was kind of trying to make light of it. I'm sorry. Jordy McGranner's family. That's terrible that he died that way. But um you know it 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 speaks though to this like persistence also within scientific communities of like people wanting to find these things. They these there's certain scientists, right, who they they just want them to be there and they like they want to find them they want to be the ones who've discovered them or proved their existence um because like clearly there's something leading to these myths right yeah but you still sound skeptical because it's essentially been proven what it is essentially but 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 only kinda so um you know it, in in that sense the myth it's kind of confirmed and kind of not so um the the idea of um, a a rare mystical sort of creature that that people encounter in the deep woods, yes. But from DNA analyses, um, 
which there was actually a comprehensive DNA review undertaken just two years ago in 2017 by Daniel D. Taylor, showed essentially that the Yeti is a type of ancient subspecies of brown bear that um, is extremely rare. Uh, People weren't even sure if it was extinct or not that split off from all other brown bears about 650,000 years ago. So that's the best idea of what the Yeti actually is. You don't look excited. No. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) To burst your fucking bubble. Um, But again, it's, that's, you know, one explanation of one type of abominable snowman. It's not dispositive, you know, and, and some other people have, proposed that the Bigfoot, the Yeti, etc., are actually this creature called Gigantopithecus, which is um, a thought-to-be extinct giant fucking ape. Um, okay. Gigantopithecus was about twice the size of a gorilla. What? Essentially a gorilla, but twice the size. Yeah. So not quite King Kong, but real fucking huge. And... While its fossilized remains are only found in Asia, uh, like like Eastern Asia, uh, some say that, you know, it could have crossed the Bering Land Bridge when it existed and therefore, you know, be found here in, in the United States. Um, also, only its mandible, like the, the jaw area and the teeth have ever been found. And, uh, and I think a skull. I wonder why. It's just hard to find fossilized remains. Um, so it's kind of hard to know exactly what it would look like. But from those bones, like the proportionality of them, we can tell that it was about 10 feet tall. Damn. So, yeah. Um, and it also, though, probably would have been quadrupedal, not bipedal. Yeah, I was going to say. And they, they, they actually did, like, analyses, like, stress analyses and stuff of, like, what would make the most sense. And it just, for that big of a creature, bipedality just doesn't really make any physics sense. Like, there's this one scientist guy on one of the videos I watched that said it did, but I don't think so. Right? That doesn't... I don't, I don't know. No. Because there would be so much pressure being put, like, on the hips and the all the joints, like... But what if it had, like, super bones or something and it was able yeah, to... I didn't think of super bones. ...withstand that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> So, probably not, but, you know, we'll, we'll embrace the mystery. So, <laughs> thank you for gently slapping me. Um, so, <laughs> other other people uh, think that it might be other, you know, thought to be extinct, uh, hominids, etc., like uh, Paranthropus robustus, or perhaps Meganthropus, maybe even a Neanderthal. Meg? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Meg. (laughs) (laughs) What was it? Thunder thighs are walking. Thunder thighs are loose. Yeah. (laughs) These are family guy references. And perhaps the Bigfoot could even be Homo heidelbergensis. What? Which is one of my favorite scientific names. Achoo. Heidelbergensis. Um, No evidence, though, and remains of these creatures... um, you know, have ever been found outside of Africa. So that also makes it a little bit difficult. Um, you know, it, it also kind of speaks to this whole idea of the abominable snowman being some kind of, like, giant ape that lives outside of the equatorial regions, which doesn't exist in modern times or 
ever as far as we can tell. <laughs> so that kind of doesn't make sense. Like the whole idea, idea of like a snow ape is kind of like just doesn't seem like it. You know, I don't know. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> but, you know, don't tell that, though, to Dr. Melba S. Ketchum. Because Dr. Melba S. Ketchum thinks this is a real fucking creature. And she will not be dissuaded. She has um, proposed a new scientific species of hominin, Homo sapiens cognatus. And that, she says, is the Sasquatch. But really. But scientifically. Now, just, I don't see why not. Just the fact that it's been given a name doesn't make it real. That's what a different scientist was kind of like pointing out. But um, there is this organization called the Sasquatch Genome Project that is, is attempting to create a genetic profile for the so-called Sasquatch. So... You know, we'll we'll see. There, there, there are people, although not too many of them, but including Dr. Milbes Ketchum, who are working on this in a scientific way and who would say, don't be so skeptical. You know, there, there, there's something there. And, you know, the pursuit continues, obviously. Um, another organization, the BFRO, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. Oh, wow. Another group of people who would say, I'm full of shit for seemingly not believing in this. Uh, sorry. So, you know, we're left with some weird tracks, one photo, a lot of circumstantial evidence, um, you know, but we'll, we'll very much have to embrace the mystery on this one. And whether book, whether Boogerfoot, was I going to say Boogerfoot? Back up, back up. (laughs) Whether Bigfoot, thank you very much. Thank you. Easy for you to say. Uh, is out uh, is out there or not? You know, we 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 should take a little bit of a, a, a look at the real world impact. That what is that? They did they find the abominable snowman? Is that oh my god? Is that the siren for the? They found the abominable snowman time. Oh no, I'm being told it's that's a fire siren. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, they would send the. <laughs> they, they there said, it is. And they call nine one one, and right. they immediately drop everything. Tell the world. Yeah. How can we get this out to the people most quickly? With a siren, obviously. Um, so, <laughs> yes, let's let's take a look at a, just a little bit of the cultural impact, the wider context of the abominable snowman myths. Like on TV. Exactly, but not only TV, also books, movies. Comic books, video games, cartoons, and even stamps. Humorous. What do you want Yeti me to say stamps. to that? <laughs> That's right. Tourism. Yes, that no, but but exactly. That it's is a business. That is exactly the reason. Um, and hey, good for them. Um, That's what I'm saying. Like. And <laughs> of course, we'll all remember the immortal Harry and the Hendersons. What? <laughs> it's a movie from the 80s. It's kind of obscure, but I like it. Go watch Harry and the Hendersons. You'll get a better understanding of the Bigfoot myth. Um, so the idea of, you know, a long-lost human relative, furry, large, unsophisticated and elusive, is very persistent in our cultures throughout time around the world. I don't mean to diminish this in idea. In Scooby-Doo. Also in Scooby-Doo as well. So it must be real. 
And to me, it's it's actually akin to the pervasiveness of things like religion, you know, pyramids, farming, society. You know, wh- wh- wherever there are people, it seems, people believe in a wild man of the woods or a wild man of the snow. You know, it's it's this whole thing, you know, and, and but but why? Right. But why? That's that's the question it begs to me. Why is this so persistent? Is it because we want to return to nature? Is it because we have a longing for a wildness that's slipping away? Is it because, <laughs> because we have a fascination with creatures oh my God. <laughs> that, that are kind of like us, but that are also living wild like we would want to live, really? Is that it? <laughs> We'll never know. But I'm, I'm just going to end here with a quote from uh, this guy named Daniel Taylor, who, who is one of these people, you know, look, looking into this. He's kind of an, an explorer. Um, and I just thought this summed it up well. So, quote, the deep mystery at our core. Our core. Is that we want to be connected, connected. to the great beyond. Beyond. And we need symbols to help us understand the connection. The connection. That's why we believe in God. In God. Or angels or the Loch Ness Monster. Throughout human history and across human cultures, human cultures. we have developed messengers from the great beyond. Beyond. Ultimately, that's what the Yeti is. That's what the Yeti is. Close is, quote. Is, is. And that's what the Yeti is. So uh, that's that's my story for this week. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. It is a mystery. I just want to I just want to make that clear because I'm not saying that it's entirely not true. Um, and neither are my sources. And these these are my sources. Um, Wikipedia, of course, the Yeti page, the Bigfoot page, the Yowie page, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Joe Smith in a nature blog called Cool Green Science. Uh, Simon Worrell interviewing Daniel Taylor, from whom the the quote came, and uh, in National Geographic, and also John Pickerel in National Geographic. Yep. How am I supposed to follow that? Just, uh, you know, just go. (laughs) Well, you wanted me to go first. I know. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, I'm very interested to hear your story this week, because it's Oh, fucking weird. It's very weird. It Disturbing. freaks me out. Oh, my God. It's all sort of those things that might have a natural cause, but then there's other things that totally dispute that. Right. Um, okay, so I'm going to talk about cattle mutilations, which is... Cattle so, mutilations. Which is my favorite band, by right. the way. Um, cattle mutilations. Cattle mutilations. <laughs> that would be a good band name, right? Yeah, um, I mean, there probably is one. If you know the band Cattle Mutilation, <laughs> or if you want to start the band Cattle Mutilation, definitely reach out to us. Right, we want to know. We yes, want to hear. Please. Okay, so worldwide, sheep, horses, goats. Cows, bison, deer, elk, they've all been reported mutilated with similar bloodless excisions, often an ear, eyeball, tongue, lymph nodes, genitals, and rectum are removed. This I, I is just, some just, weird just before you get shit. too far into it, I just, I just have one question, and, and I don't know, this might just derail the whole thing. Is it Dexter? Oh, my God. Could it? 
Could it be Dexter? It's not Dexter. Oh, it's not Dexter. Dexter's oh. not real. Oh, oh, Dexter's not real. Oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, please go on. <laughs> then never mind. <laughs> Don't give me that look. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> I. So you're saying it's not Dexter. <laughs> I've never even watched Dexter. <laughs> He's, the first season's really good. It kind of goes downhill at a certain point, but, and you know, a lot of shows do. Anyway. These could also both be good uh, fodder for supernatural episodes, right? Cattle Mutal happened, already Has, happened. Oh, I was, I was trying to remember. It's a sign of the apocalypse, remember? Oh, yeah. It's a sign of um, more demon activity. They do it in the X-Files, too. Boom. Supernatural. Bam. Right. We need to get back in on that. Always there. Always anyway, great. like I said, this is some weird shit. And yes. Um, one of my sources was a Monster Quest episode. You said you love that show, right? I love Monster Quest. Yeah. Um, some of it's bullshit, and they <laughs> try to, like, expand it. Uh-huh. But some of it is is actually quite interesting and has a lot of scientific explanation. What I like about yeah. Monster Quest is that they get real-life actual people and, like, scientists, and they, like, go into it, and it's not, like... Yeah, like, no, there, there's this conspiracy whole... Conspiracy theory, um, like, caught this on tape right. type crap. There's like this whole trend, um, you know, in the past many years of uh, reality shows funding real scientists, and yes. it's always an interesting thing, you know, because yeah. it's like in a, they are real scientists, but the show's not really real, so it's like walking this kind of line, you know. Yeah, the characteristics. So the wounds are always clean, and they seem surgical. Right. Sometimes they're reported to have been drained of blood, but there's no blood surrounding the area. Like, it's it's totally dry. So, according to a survey taken by the National Institute for Discovery Science, mutilation of the eye occurred in 59 for some of the case, cases, mutilation of the tongue in 42, the genitals in 85, and the rectum in 76. And 90% of the mutilated cattle are young. They're between four and five years old. It's a very weird culmination of coincidences, maybe. It's weird factors. It's all a lot of something that everybody from each side looks at differently. So, like, the ranchers who have been doing this for decades Mm -hmm. and they've never seen anything like this Mm -hmm. are totally floored and know this isn't some natural phenomena. Whereas some scientists think that this is totally natural and some vets think this is totally natural. Some scientists. But there are others that actually are saying, hey, this is weird. And ranchers and stuff are like really freaked out by it, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Especially because... It's something that happens worldwide, but mostly in the um, northwest U.S. Um, hmm. A lot of, like, the Great Plains, those kinds of areas. And along with the characteristics, there's strange marks or imprints found. Sometimes there's nothing. So it's hmm. like either or. Other predators, for reasons unknown, would stay away from the body. So even they have this mutilated hmm. carcass. Scavengers and other, like, animals That's steer weird. clear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's been something that's been happening 
who knows how long. But the minute it became famous was in 1967. So Southern Colorado, September of 1967. The three-year-old... Picture it. Southern Colorado... 1967, a mutilated cow, a beautiful young girl. Sorry. Was not a cow. <laughs> I was doing a Sophia thing. A what? Sophia? M- Ma? Golden Girls? Picture it. Oh. Oh! <laughs> that really took me a second. I'm so sorry. No no one probably gets my references, but it's cool. I get them. I, I get them. Thanks. I pretend to get them. <laughs> Thanks. Wink, wink. So it was a horse. It was an Appaloosa horse. Um, so this is the night before, return home to be fed after a day of grazing in the pasture, um, seemingly healthy. The next night, same process. She failed to come back when, when called. So the family went out to search for her. The owners, Agnes King and her son, Harry, found the horse lying dead in the field. Her head and neck had been totally skinned, and she had cuts all over her body. The local vet said that it was foul play, but they had no real proof for anything like that. It's just kind of what uh, what the guess was at the time. Mm-hmm. And this story went national, and soon farmers and vets from Utah, Nevada, Colorado, and New Mexico came forward with stories of things similar happening Mm. to them as well. So this is when it kind of went um, public in the U.S., in in that um, everybody sort of knew about it now. So it's like the late 60s. Yes, not just pockets of of people. Mm -hmm. So all of them had reports of mutilation to their totally healthy cattle. So of course, the first assumption was satanic groups, cults, um, terrible people using the parts for sacrifices or, or right. rituals or weird shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there were very, very, hippies. very few. It was actual, probably hippies. It was the hippies. It, it was, was those damn hippies. Very, very few actually turned out that turned out to be the case. It was almost... That was almost not the answer at all. Mm. So there were very few that were, like, actually able to be investigated and and proven to be something concrete. Exactly. Most of them remained a mystery. Right. Remain a mystery. Right. Most of them do remain a mystery and that no one really has one explanation at all. Nobody has anything concrete. Mm. Nothing. It's very weird. Mm. Um, Other people think it was one person. And someone who yeah. was sick in the head, and but somehow had the skill to do these surgery-like cuts right. that were always found. Right. So by 1975, there were over 200 incidents of cattle mutilation reported in Colorado, which prompted a statewide investigation. That's so, a lot. Exactly. Statewide investigation. So Special Agent Kenneth Rommel did hundreds of examinations, okay? And he came back with one conclusion, and he said that the phenomena was totally natural. So he said it was caused by scavengers like birds, coyotes, other wildlife. And this, his report is the only actual, like, uh, uh, official uh, report, like, really ever. Hmm. So all the experienced ranchers disagree. So like I said earlier, there's kind of two sides to all of this. Right, right. They totally disagree. Dennis Schmidt, um, a rancher in Colorado, talked about how his calf had the intestines removed and that there were perfect cuts 
across the rib cage. There was no blood anywhere in sight. It was totally drained, okay? And he had never, ever seen anything like it. Hmm. A woman named Barb Campbell, she's a forensic investigator. She actually grew up on ranches in, in, in Washington and surrounded by this type of thing. And she started out skeptical when she heard stuff like this. She was like, you know, this seems like something that could be natural and people are exaggerating until she saw a report of one in real life. And then she kind of went crazy. I mean, not went crazy, but yeah. she started really, really focusing on it and studying it in, in depth. Mm-hmm. Um so the skin isn't torn, she notices. It's surgically cut. There's no blood, and there's never any sign of, of struggle. And the missing parts are never found. They're never found nearby or anything. There's no teeth marks, right? Exactly. And, no bl- and like you're saying, no, bl- no pool of blood. Right. Some scientists... A la Dexter. Do... Sure. Some scientists do um, argue that teeth can do this type of thing and that Mm. it's more tearing. Some scavengers do that, Mm. but it's still kind of debated, you know. Yes. So sometimes the animal is found in like awkward, impossible positions. Like the head is bent back further than the neck can handle or the legs are splayed at odd angles and they're in different directions, like torn or broken, stuff like that. Um, Barb believes that the animals were tranquilized first, like they were shot with a gun or a dart. And when put into laboratories, so there have been many cases of um, laboratories carried out on on some of these animals. And sometimes um, uh, other chemicals such as... uh, So they did, like, blood analysis. Yeah, they would do, like, blood analysis and sometimes stuff like tranquilizers and sedatives were found, Hmm. which is also very weird. Yeah. Um, And would definitely seem to point to, like, it's some person Like a person, right? Let's talk a little bit about Frank the Bison. Frank the Bison. Frank the Bison. Okay. So near Lord Minster, Alberta. Good to meet you, Frank the Bison. Alberta, Canada. Well, he's dead. Oh, Canada. Canada. We get a lot of listens, listeners from Canada. We stand Canada. Too cold up there. Thank you But I would, for being I America's would. hat. No, sorry. I'm just joking. Thank you for Michael Myers and all the other great comedians who came from Canada. Like Ryan Reynolds? Like He's from Canada. so many. Remember we looked it up? Is this Seth Rogen from Canada too? Also Seth Rogen. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Canada delivers. But then also Justin Bieber. So, you know, kind of goes both ways. But, you know. Back on to Frank. He's a victim yes. here. Frank the Bison. Excuse Frank me. Frank is I'm the so victim sorry. here. I'm so sorry. All Frank. right. Frank. So, Lloyd Minster, Alberta, Canada, March 2008. Lee Benoit, a ranch owner and eyewitness, says... You know, he reports the same characteristics. Frank, he was a prized bison bull. He was alive and well, okay, at the day before the incident. There was a precision cut right down the middle of his stomach. His organs were missing. Scavengers or any other animal hadn't gone near it, stayed away from it. There were no footprints. There were no tire tracks. There was no nothing. The snow surrounding him had mysteriously melted 
and then refrozen. This is also common. They're also found sometimes reported laying in what's kind of like a, a crop circle, like mm -hmm. the, the grass around them is, is dead mm -hmm. or, or the snow around them is melted or flattened. And sometimes it's even reported that the ground stays that way for years. Yeah. So Ugh. another case, Saskatchewan, Canada. June 1987, a rancher of 52 years, Buck Scotton, comes across a deer that was mysteriously mutilated. Its navel was perfectly cut out. There was an inc incision on the neck um, shoulder area, about a seven-inch um, incision, but the area around it, the hair surrounding it was cut, and it was, like, shaved, actually. It was, like, yeah, it was very, it was weird. It was weird, and it begs the question, like, mm -hmm. if it's a predator, what kind of predator does that? Right. Um, he actually takes it to the vet department uh, at Canada's University of Saskatoon, and a vet there determined that the death wasn't unusual and that there was no struggle because the animal had fallen into some sort of coma before being mutilated. And um, this is from the Monster Quest episode, um, the rancher, Buck Scott, and he says, did you ever hear anything as stupid as that? <laughs> he couldn't believe it. Right. So some of our unanswered questions here. What causes the death of a mutilated animal? So there could be natural causes, something like infectious diseases or some kind of severe accident, poisoning, birth-related accidents, um, electrocution even, um, and that can be diagnosed through, like, examination and lab analyses, right? But in most of these mutilation, mutilation cases, it had been reported that the animals died suddenly. Like, they were healthy one day, dead the next. And this is based on the testimony that they were being seen by the owner in, in good health, like, mm -hmm. the day of or the day before, um, shortly before being found dead. So, if it was a predator, where are the teeth marks? Predators attack the back of the knee or the nose first. And these areas aren't really in particularly have anything marking, any markings there that are um, significant. It brings up the same question. Where's all the blood? Um, veins and arteries would be torn. You know, this is not, this is not the case with these mutilations. It's not a messy picture. Mm -hmm. So what causes this burned vegetation? So, some, like I said, sometimes the animals are reported to be found laying in the middle of perfectly round areas where the grass looks to have been flattened or, or burned. And if there's snow present, it was, it's melted in that area, like, like a crop circle. What kinds of surgical equipment could be used to make these precise incisions if equipment could be, you know, and used at all? Why do domestic animals in the vicinity behave so strangely? They Why do other members of the herd, as well as scavengers, keep their distance? And why do they do that if they so-called died of natural causes? So remember that in some it cases... It doesn't seem so natural, these causes. I don't know, right? That's the question. That's my question. That's the... I have a lot of, lot of questions about this. The mystery. One. The mystery That's of the mystery. The this mystery. is. We have reached the mystery. And we're in the mystery. Remember that in some cases beep, these... Beep. You are entering the mystery zone. That was awful. Thank you. Thanks. I hated it. <laughs> Loved it. Hated Thanks. it. Loved okay, it. Okay, go on. So remember that in some cases these are wild animals that are in a herd, okay? Mm -hmm. They're in a group. Mm -hmm. So it's difficult for some random person to just 
walk up to one of them and and kill them without some kind of alarm going off. Someone seeing something, mm-hmm. the cattle panicking or yeah. running away. And they even test they even like tested this both in, in during the daytime and at night and they would always run away. Mm-hmm. They would always get spooked and you couldn't catch one much less multiple. Yeah. So the thing about these theories that there are some conventional explanations. So the U.S. government says um, that they, they, well, they have all kinds of things. So there was an investigation in May of 1979. The the FBI dubbed it Operation Animal Mutilation. So um, yeah, I know, right? It's very it's a very literal title for an operation. They're, they're usually like Operation Mongoose. Yeah. Operation, you know, paperclip. Paper yeah. <laughs> it's not usually like operation exactly the thing that we're doing. And it was headed by um, Kenneth Rommel, the oh, same I see. investigator that right. I mentioned before. I've heard his name. In the past few minutes or so, <laughs> yes, you? I recall that. So... <laughs> It was to determine, it had five key elements. So determine how reliable the info was um, that they were that they were gathering. They wanted to determine the cause of as many mutilations as possible, especially those reported in New Mexico, because that is where a lot of the um, uh, funding came from and a lot of where the FBI um, looked at first, besides Colorado. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to determine if livestock mutilations, as described, constitute a major law enforcement problem. Right. Like, if it is someone or some kind of cold, is there something going on in, in the community? Mm-hmm. So if that's so, they need to determine the scope of the problem and then offer recommendations on how to deal with it. But if it's shown that the mutilation phenomena is not a law enforcement problem, they have to recommend that no further law enforcement investigations be funded. So then hmm. that was their their kind of explana- their kind okay. of take on it. Um, natural causes. So there are unconventional explanations, but there's also um explained as things like like blow flies that that's a possible explanation um possible scavengers that um make the livestock carcasses look like they've been um mutilated mm-hmm. and the absence of blood can be explained as blood pooling in the lowest points of the body wh- where it will break down into its basic organic mm. components okay so it'll just break down might just be some kind of like miss kind of understandings of what's going on naturally right, right. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. Hmm. Um, but I don't know. It, but I it think, also could be aliens, right? I, I think mean. it, exactly. It could also be aliens. And sometimes radiation is reported too. Really? Like spikes in radiation and like the, like I said, the area being permanently like. Right. You can't grow anything there. The soil And is, the like the circles. The, yeah. Just the whole nature of it seems to point toward like extraterrestrials, right? It's. It's something else, man. It's something else. It certainly is. Um, uh, yeah, so good good shit. Good shit. Thanks for listening, y'all. Yay! Um, oh. Real good shit. Um, it's time for weird, weird shit, shit in, in the, the news. news. Weird shit in the news. Weird shit in the news. Weird. That lasted a while. That was weird. Um, okay, All right, what do you so got? What do you got? I got something. 
and it is from Business Insider. And the story is kind of in the headline here. So, uh, it's Aren't by, they always? Typically. Um, so Becky Peterson, a uh, story by Becky Peterson from January 7th. And the headline is, that's not true. Amazon's Alexa just hilariously interrupted a Qualcomm representative in the middle of a demo at CES. So CES, if you're not if you're not familiar, is the Consumer Electronics Show, of course. And um, there was an Amazon Alexa on stage, which had not been put on mute um, during this uh, presentation that a Qualcomm rep was doing about something you know very technical with Qualcomm chips and cars. And apparently, when he began his presentation, Alexa felt it was her you know, duty to to interrupt and uh, point out a perhaps mendacious statement, which she heard by saying, quote, no, that's not true, close quote. <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. Uh, <laughs> everyone had a very good laugh, and uh, the Qualcomm <laughs> rep uh, went on with his presentation, which I assume was generally truthful. I don't, not I'm really sure. I'm telling you, dude, Alexa's <laughs> going to take over the world. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a glitch, obviously, but, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, but, you know, I was telling you, uh, the, like, I want to get to the point where it's not like, you know, I'm not going to do it because the thing's going to go off, but like, no, 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 tell me the meaning of this word or like, what's the weather, you know, all that kind of shit. Wh- when are we going to get to like, computer, you know, um, you know, where you could just talk to it, you know, hey, look up this thing for me or like find out about this or tell me about whatever, you know. Hey, Cortana. She's like, can I be of assistance? Maybe. Um, so, yeah, that's that's probably an episode, right? That's an episode. Could, that's a wrap. That's a Oh, yeah. We, we never actually came up with a tagline for the. I don't think this, we need one. I don't one. think we'll ever have one. Follow us on Instagram. Follow, go on our Insta, please. Follow us on Instagram, Mystery Murdery Thingy. Follow us right. on Twitter. Twitter. Murdery Mur- Thingy. At Murdery Thingy. I think. Sure. At Mystery Murdery. I think it's Murdery Thingy. Uh, might be, yeah, at Murdery Thingy. Things I should know, but I don't. Yeah. I also have a Twitter, but I don't really Please follow us on Twitter. Um, and uh, go on our Patreon, you know, if become you a friend of the out, pod. Become a friend of the out. pod. Get some ex- weird news extras in there. A little bit. We're, you know, we're, we're thinking about other stuff that we could do for extra stuff. So we'll we'll uh, look out for more things coming in, in the second year of the pod. For sure. Um, in terms murdery of extras. Thingy. At Murdery Thingy. At that's Murdery our, Thingy. That's our, that's our Twitter. That's our Twitter. That's where we do the Put tweets. Put us up on Facebook. The Twitter. Too. Hit us up on the Facebook. On the medias. On all social medias. The bullshits. Right, as Henry would say. It's time to eat, yo. I'm yeah, hungry. Yeah, I'm, I'm also hungry. Um, okay, bye. Bye.